0: Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Hi, great to see you. Welcome uh, today. Watching online likewise, thank you so much uh, for joining uh, with us. My name is Steve and uh, I have really enjoyed, over this month, over the month of January, we've been thinking about this theme called Breathing Room. Uh, As we see from the video that we've just watched, it's amazing how uh, the pace of life can just kind of get faster and faster uh, and um, it's so easy to overcommit and to overspend and to overwork, and so that we then feel overwhelmed, uh, and we feel stressed, and anxious, uh, and um, it's incredible, actually, the amount of people that end up, when going down, and not stopping, and not having breathing room, we end up in places of having debt counselling, and having marriage counselling, and having emotional Um, needs counselling because of a breakdown that we have because life has become, it's not enjoyable, life has become overwhelming. And so this series is all about this idea that God has created you and me to have breathing room, breathing room in our schedules, breathing room in our finances, but also breathing room, which is what we're thinking about today, breathing room in our relationships. Breathing room, as we've said a number of times before, it's that space between our current pace and our limits. It's the margin that we have. It's when we look in our diary and still see that we've got an evening free. It's going to our bank balance and realizing that we're still in the black and not in the red. It's just having that little bit of margin. And so that's what um, uh, breathing room is. And and one of the tensions that you and I, every single one of us, will face as we go through life, the tension is this. There is not enough time. If we want to do everything uh, and uh, be the people that we want to be, there just doesn't seem to be enough time. Over the Uh, just to tell you a little bit of uh, my story. Over the last 27 years, I've had the privilege of leading uh, this church. Back in 1992, there was a group of us um, uh, who were looking to start this new church, and it was an incredibly exciting time. Uh, So we started in November 1992. uh, Sarah Uh, My wife, uh, she was expecting our first baby. And so just within a few months of the church starting, um, uh, there was Sarah also changing nappies and attending leadership meetings. And uh, there was just so much going on. And with um, the leadership team and others who were supportive, it was such an exciting time. And so much time went into seeing the church start and uh, and start to grow. uh, And I loved it. Honestly I loved it Uh, and in a sense it didn't matter how much time it took just because there was this momentum uh, and there was the excitement of what God uh, was going uh, to do and as time went on the tension of this there's not enough time slowly built and I loved my work And I loved my family, because after a a couple of years, there was um, not just baby Sam, but there was baby Alice and growing up Sam, and then there was baby Rachel, and then Alice and Sam, and so we had uh, our three kids. Sarah couldn't do as much in the church, because uh, inevitably, um, uh, she wanted to be able to Um, look after the kids Uh, and so there was me doing work and then her doing some work and looking after the kids Uh, and life within our household was fairly frantic um, uh, at times. And what I realised was this, is that if I do everything that I want to do for, for my job, for my work, for the church, I wouldn't have time for the family. And if I wanted to give time to the family uh, and to to be a dad as the kids were growing up and spending time with Sarah, um, uh, if I was to give the time that I felt I really needed and wanted to, there wasn't going to be enough time to do work. And actually, I've lived with that tension over these last 27 years. Um, That's nothing new because most of you live with that tension too. But added to this... I was working for the church. You know, I was doing God's work. This was God's call on my life. And so what I was doing, you know, I wasn't just mucking out pigs. <laughs> or I wasn't just teaching kids. No, 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 I was doing God's work. Because I was building the church. And Sarah was so understanding And she was so undemanding when I headed out for another meeting. And what what would tend to happen is that I would work during the day and doing all the things that... And then I discovered that normal people with normal jobs only were ever free in the evening. So therefore, I would then be out most evenings. And what it ended up with was me apologising to Sarah, saying, I'm really sorry I'm out again tonight. I've got to meet up with so-and-so. And that became our life. And home life suffered... Because the demands of the job, kind of, so easily took priority. And I'm, uh, I'm a people pleaser, so if someone asks me to do something or to meet with them, I, I will nearly always say yes, because I just want to be able uh, to please people. When Sarah was diagnosed with bowel cancer, that was the wake-up call, because that's when we had to make some big decisions in um, our family life. And our time was limited... So we limited what we did with our time. And as I said on week two, I am so grateful uh, that we did. And after Sarah died, because still having three smallest children, uh, I worked part-time for the church, and amazingly other people um, stepped up and we were able to continue uh, to develop and grow uh, as a church. I I was hugely supported by my mum, Uh, who had given up work to help look after the kids, uh, by Sue Johnson, who just invested so much time again with looking after the kids, which meant that I could still uh, work for some of that time. And then I started dating Sarah in 2001. And because I'm speedy, we got married in 2002. Uh, And Sarah was working full-time, and I was working full-time, and we had three youngest children uh, growing up. And this just proved too difficult to maintain. Despite support from Sue and my mum and others, there was just no breathing room in our marriage. And so Sarah, went first of all, went part-time, and then she stopped work for a while. And I carried on working full-time, but honestly, the relationship at that time was tough in those early years of marriage. And what I discovered was this, is that Sarah wanted me at home more, but she couldn't tell me. And she couldn't tell me because she knew how important... Uh, I felt my role was. So I remember within our first year, I headed off for a week of leadership development at uh, uh, a church out in Chicago, a church called Willow Creek. I absolutely loved it. I, it was the most amazing experience. and I left Sarah so, uh, with Sarah with three kids, um, uh, so she was looking after stepmom was looking after uh, the kids. And then a short while later, I was invited to a cousin's wedding out in New Zealand. So I left Sarah at home to look after the kids and I went off to... um, Are you wondering why I'm still married? I'll tell you. No, honestly, this is what took place within our first year of marriage, I'm embarrassed uh, to say. And every time I went away or every evening meeting that I would head out... Uh, I would apologise to Sarah and I would say things like, it will be better soon, Uh, a slower day's coming, next month it's going to be better. And that's the situation that we found ourselves in uh, within our marriage. And I discovered this, whenever I cheated family life for work, I was asking Sarah to take on responsibilities that belonged to me. Because Sarah was never meant to parent children alone. I had a responsibility as a dad in all of this. But I would say, can you look after the kids again tonight? Can you run the house alone this week? And it was like what I've got in here. It was like every time that happened, it was like handing Sarah this, a really heavy rock. And this rock would be representing all the responsibilities that I should be delivering. But I'm saying, Sarah, I can't because I'm going away, or I can't because I've got a meeting. So would you do what I should be doing for a period of time? And Sarah, because she is so flipping lovely, every single time she would take this heavy rock. And she would take responsibility for the things that I should have been doing. So I would say, I'm away next week. I'm really, really sorry. So could you look after the kids? You've got swimming on Tuesday. uh, And could you sort them out for school? Obviously, uh, you'll need to sort the meals. And can you make sure they do their homework? Or it might be, I'm out again tonight. They've got PE tomorrow, the kids. So could you make sure that the PE kits uh, are are washed and clean? uh, and, uh, And I'll catch up with you when I get back home again. And when Sarah married me, she didn't just marry me. Of course, she married me with three little ones. And so already the pressure was on for her. And so every time I handed this, it came heavier and heavier and heavier. And she accepted it every time because she's so bloomin' lovely. Now, what I was doing is nothing unusual because what I was doing is what most of us do at various points in our relationships, in our marriage, as parents. Because life is not ideal, and we get called out to stuff, don't we? Life is not ideal, and so we can't always live in the way that we want. And so we have this, and, we, and uh, people will carry this for us, or we're carrying it for other people. And the problems come when they are left still holding this. Because when I come back from a trip abroad, I go straight into other meetings. And Sarah seems to have coped really well. Really well. So obviously, she can do this. And what it means is that she is left holding this. And then, after a while, and what can happen in marriages so very easily is that after a while, it gets heavy and heavy. And eventually, it gets dropped or put down. And a symptom of not taking it back is apologizing, buying flowers to say, I'm really sorry it's happened again, darling, or chocolates. I'm really sorry it's happened again, darling. That's just to show, was, yeah, you know what I mean. But I did forget your birthday, and I'm really sorry. And I did forget the anniversary, but I'll make it up next year. And all of a sudden, we're finding that, that we have dropped the ball and it's left the other person struggling so much. And when the rock Is put down by the other person. What happens is is that intimacy just evaporates. Patience runs out. When the rock is put down, life can seem better without him or without her. You're going away again? Okay, that's fine. Because life's easier when they're now no longer around. And sometimes, if we're not careful. When we've handed the rock on and it's a heavy rock and when they put it down, what they do, I won't drop it because I would break the stage, but sometimes the relationship's irreparable because the other person has felt taken advantage of, hasn't been noticed, hasn't been loved because work has has won, golf has won, football has won and it's just left them feeling vulnerable and sometimes it's irreparable. And you will know because you might have even been in that situation where you've discovered that your marriage is irreparable. Or that when the rock is put down, it takes years and years to build up the trust again. Because it's, it's been abused. Because it hasn't been picked up. We haven't taken the responsibility. And when we begin to cheat on what's most important for what is secondary, then there's always going to be a problem. When work wins over our relationships, when hobbies win over relationships, something has to be addressed quickly. And what I've discovered, this, this, is, this is so basic, but it is so true. Do you know what? I have two unique roles in life. I, only, I can only think of two unique roles that I have. One is to be husband to Sarah, because I don't want anyone else taking on that role, thank you very much. Okay, that's just a little warning. (laughs) And secondly, that I am dad to Sam, Alice and Rachel, and I don't want anyone else to be playing the role of dad for them. Trying to think of any other role that I have could be done by someone else. In fact, any other role, eventually, if that role continues, it will be filled by someone else. And so I have to make my priority what is most important are those two roles. It's to be a husband and a good husband to my wife, Sarah, and to be a dad, a good dad, to Sam, Alice and Rachel. So don't trade... What's unique to you for something someone else can do? I remember having a conversation uh, with Sarah three or four years ago. Life had kind of um, got overwhelming again, and we were talking together, and uh, we were trying to work out, uh, because we weren't spending enough time together, what what could we do to try and resolve this uh, where... Um, uh, my work didn't um, dominate everything. And so I can't remember whether she suggested it, whether she asked for it, whether I suggested it uh, or whatever. But we we came up, we agreed together that um, uh, I would try and finish work by four o'clock so that I would come home. So if I had an evening meeting, I would have two to three hours at home before heading out again. And that seemed, uh, that seemed a kind of a really good solution, because it meant that we could walk the dog together. And When we walk the dog, we tend to talk together. It meant that we could have tea and, and, and all of that. And the decision was incredibly easy and incredibly difficult. You see, it was, it was difficult because I would always have more stuff to do. And so when it got to four o'clock, I hadn't finished my jobs, and I got another evening meeting, and I had to be ready for that evening meeting. So I found it really, really hard to do. But I also found it really, really easy because I actually like spending time with my wife. And so thinking gets to four o'clock, if I can head home then, then we can have a bit of space and a bit of time together. We could have a bit of breathing room where we could talk. And so... The other reason why um, it kind of felt really important is because it was applying something that I have read in the New Testament lots and lots and lots. And in a sense, it just brought a new application to a truth that I so believe in. Because you, you um, it's really important that you understand um, who I am and where I come from. The songs that we've been singing today, do you know what? I so believe them. You see, I so believe that God loves me and I so believe that God loves all of us. I believe that he cares for us and that he wants the very, very best for us. And I believe that not just because it sounds like a nice thing to believe, even though it is. I believe it because God has revealed himself in a person, in the person of Jesus. And Jesus demonstrated love and he spoke about love in such an incredible way. And so I believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he was the one who loved me enough so that when I mess up, I know that I'm forgiven because he's already paid the debt for what I've done wrong when he died on the cross. And that's the ultimate view of love that I believe in, where someone gives their life for someone else. And I believe that three days later, Jesus rose again from the dead and that people saw him and met him and their lives were changed by him. And so, everything that I believe is not just a kind of a a lovely thought. It's rooted in something. In fact, it's rooted in someone. And Jesus had so much to say about life. And his followers would remember that. And some of them would write it down. And some of them would say, I remember Jesus talking about this. And so they would record it. And so, much of the New Testament is written by people who knew Jesus or who knew the followers of Jesus. And a man called Peter, who was one of Jesus' followers, spoke about marriage. And a man called Paul, who knew the followers of Jesus, spoke about marriage. And Paul once wrote to a church, and he wrote these words. And and this is so important for me, because this is what I believe Jesus was teaching. And and we get the application through Paul. This is what he said about marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. Submit. Submit means to accept or to yield to the will of another person. Submit means putting that person's deal before my deal. To submit says, Sarah, whatever you need, I'm going to do my best to make sure that you have it. I've never been asked to submit to the church. I've never been asked to submit to, um, uh, to my job. But I have been commanded to submit to my wife. And then Paul goes on to explain what this means. He explains it for wives and then he comes on to the husbands. And I'm a husband so therefore I focus on that one. Uh, Wives can sort their bit out themselves. Okay, for husbands, this this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave up his life for her. And so to love Sarah means that I need to submit to her. And it means that I have to love her so wholeheartedly that I give my life to her. And I have to follow the example that Jesus himself gives when he gave his life for the church. So I knew as a husband that I had to create breathing room in our marriage and it meant that I had to put Sarah before my job, Sarah before my dreams, Sarah before church growth, Sarah before you. That's what it meant. And do you know what? I found that so hard. found it so hard. Because I struggled. I didn't struggle with knowing when four o'clock was. I had a watch, so that was fine. But I struggled. In fact, I didn't struggle, so I wanted to spend time with Sarah. My struggle to create breathing room was all around fear. And I spoke about this on the very first week. What if I don't get everything done? What if I let people down? What if everything falls apart? What if I offend someone because I refuse, I'd choose not to meet with them? What if people don't like me as much? Or if they think that I'm lazy or I'm uncommitted or I don't really buy into the church? And what drives breathing room right out of our lives, out of our relationships, is this word called fear. The fear of missing out, the fear of not being liked, the fear of falling behind, the fear of not mattering, so therefore I have to prove myself to show that I'm valuable. And it is so deep-rooted within each one of us. And so it is not surprising at all that the most frequent command that God gives throughout the whole of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is about this. The most frequent command? (laughs) It's fear not. In other words, that we have to make courageous decisions which might upset some people in order to put who should be first, first. First. The only way, the only way that I know how to build a strong marriage is if Sarah and I have space to be together, to have time to be able to talk together, to have time to do stuff together. It's the only way. Do you know what? There is no shortcut. Flowers are not shortcuts. They're not. They're apologies. And this is true in marriage. And some of you have to hear this today. Some of you have to because there has been no breathing room in your marriage. Because work and other situations have overwhelmed and suddenly you're just not finding space to be with each other. And for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your relationship, you have to, have to, have to prioritize, make some courageous decisions and look to give time to one another. And what those courageous decisions look like will will, will vary. For some of us, it will be having a night in and choosing to do that. For some of us, it might be moving house because you have to downsize because you just can't keep going on the mortgage payments that you're doing at the moment. For some of you, it might even be changing jobs. I'll tell you, for some of this, this is so courageous. But your first priority, if you are married, is to put your marriage first. Because we are to submit to one another. And husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. You have to cheat something else and not your spouse or your family. To be able to have the time that you need. So, if you're married, I just if you're married, if you uh, have um uh, if you're living with someone, whatever, I want to ask, I want to encourage you to ask two questions, two questions of each other. Question one is this: What responsibilities have I given to you that I need to take back off you? Where do I need to step up again because I've got lazy or I've allowed other things to take over? Come on, be really brave and ask that. And if you are asked that question, be honest. Be honest. And secondly, the second question is, what can I do that will help you so that our marriage or our relationship can flourish? tell you, have those conversations. They can be hard conversations, but they can be the making, again, of building a flourishing marriage and family life. This is true for any relationship, whether it's family, whether it's friend. And for those of you who are Jesus followers, for those of you who are Christians here today, exactly the same applies to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. David would write these words. He would say, be still. Be still. It's God speaking through David. Be still and know that I'm God. I love the message version. Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. If you really want to grow your faith and to know the God who loves you, you have to, have to create the breathing space to invest time in talking with him, in listening to him, in reading what he said about how we can live our lives and of who he is. Jesus modelled it. Jesus lived such a busy life and yet still he took time aside And it just says that Jesus left the crowds and he went off to a solitary place. And you'll read that time and time again. Sometimes it was just him. Sometimes he took his closest friends. But he knew how important for him and his heavenly father to have the breathing room, to know and listen and to spend time with each other. I've chosen to do the Year Through the Bible, the Nicky Gumbel version of this year to make sure that every day when I first wake up, some of my, the very first things that I do is to be reading and getting what God has said into my thoughts and into my heart. What can you do? Hey, we've got to the end of the series. The band are going to come up. Uh, we're going to um, have our last, last song. But do you know what? I, I, as I said, for me, as I've been speaking and as I've been preparing, these talks have been for me. So if you think that I've got it sorted you're wrong, and I'm trying to apply these things in my marriage, in my finances, in my du- all of that. I'm trying to still do that, because I have to create breathing room. And we can leave having heard these talks and thought, it's good, yeah, I like some of the stuff that was said there. I think it's really good. But unless we do something about it, it will make no difference. So I just want to encourage you, please have the courage, have the courage to ask the questions this week. Have the courage to decide to create breathing room in our finances. Have the courage to invest our time on what's important. And maybe for some of us, we have to invest the time in getting to know the God who has made you, the God who loves you, the God who gave his son, Jesus, who died for you. And maybe it's time to start having. A relationship with the living God. Let me pray. Lord, you're, you're such a great God, and your love is overwhelming, and your your care for us is indescribable. And Lord, we know that you have created us to have breathing room. Lord, help us not to be like a foolish builder who hears words and doesn't put them into practice. And so we just build on sand, which will eventually crumble. The building will crumble because it has no foundations. Lord, would you help us to be wise, to hear your words, and to put them into practice. Whatever it is that you've said to us over these four weeks, help us to put them into practice, to make the difference, to have breathing room. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going. So please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at the Forge. See you next week.